0: Let's turn to the book of Matthew <clears throat> I was thinking I might be coming a bit rusty because before we went away Brother Michael Manny was here and after I want to get back Brother Chris Dagan's here <laughs> and so that uh, didn't uh, Wednesday night was in the pulpit here at church but it's good to be back good to be in the word and looking at Matthew 26 part of part of this Back then, when I last ministered in the evening, Matthew 26, we looked. We were looking at the structure of the re- rejection of the Lord's rejection, and with you, when you think of it, that's 1,986 years ago. And this week, this happened. Not quite 2,000 yet, when you take in the life of the Lord and His ministry. This happened this coming week. We have the structure of the rejection, the plot of the religious leaders, 26, 1 to 5. Then we saw the preparation for the Passover. And we see Mary's dedication in verses 6 and 7. We see Mary's denunciation in verses 8 and 9. They described her act of worship as wasteful. Nothing is wasteful that's done for the Lord, and particularly to the Lord, for the Lord. At this time, Judas, and we say these things to lead into what we're looking at tonight, Judas, what a wicked man. Was there ever one so wicked? And they're around, and maybe in, Churches, it is amazing that the lord had him stay for the three years the lord knew what he was going to do at the end but the lord gave grace and mercy toward him even to the end even tonight if we get to the end of the message on judas even right to the end even when he come to the garden to do the betrayal kiss and so <clears throat> we shouldn't be surprised what happens and what people get up to, we don't know their hearts. God does. And they did it to the Lord himself, the Lord of glory. So they just, here they described her act, and particularly motivated by Judas, stirring up the other disciples as wasteful, they described her act of worship as wicked in verse 9. This ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Huh, really, not that they cared for the poor not Judas and so <clears throat> the woman's defense Mary's defense the Lord came to her defense in verses 10 to 13 her superior devotion is seen in verse 10 and Mary didn't feel too well after the caustic criticism that was heaped upon her by the others and particularly Judas they humbled embarrassed um, <clears throat> the Lord's resp- responded he stood up for her And a wave of relief flowed over her. Um, She grabbed a hold of an opportunity that is once in a lifetime that only one person could do, (laughs) and she did that. Poured the ointment on the Lord for his burial. This sweet-smelling offering of Mary. Her spiritual discernment is seen in verse 11 and 12. Ye have the poor always with you, said the Lord, but me ye have not always. This is a once in a lifetime, once in a thousand year opportunity. For for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And he mentioned the poor and he mentioned his person. Remember, this is the Mary who had been forgiven much, forgiven much. This is the Mary who worshipped while her sister worked. This is the Mary who had used hospitality for the Son of God and had the privilege, opportunity, and desire to do that. This is the Mary who knew Christ maybe better than some of the disciples, maybe all of the disciples, maybe save John. <laughs> Remember, this is the Mary who had informally talked with Jesus in her home and not just once. This is the Mary that used hospitality to put the Lord up on his travels as he came to Jerusalem. This is the Mary who had a brother that was raised from the dead. and There's a lot about this Mary. And she knew what she was doing on this occasion. This is a Mary whose who sister Martha said, Don't roll the stone away, for he stinketh. <laughs> she may have been the calmest person this week way back then, of any people, any person in Israel. Maybe she had discerned and picked up what the disciples had not, that Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus was going to die. She had heard what he had preached. And so therefore, the offering that she gave in this last week of his life. And this is the Passover weekend, or leading into it. As, as we have it as we're going to see it in Matthew she knew by faith what was going to happen she knew I believe that he was going to be raised from the dead she said don't worry it's all going to work out and so it's interesting to look at her special position one that had been forgiven much the woman's defense the Lord came to it her superior devotion her spiritual discernment her special distinction in verse 13 where the, wherever this gospel is preached this word is given her name will be mentioned and this will be remembered and so the lord's prophecy has come true now we come to the perpetrator of the betrayal this that mary did got him fired up and he used the opportunity to do what he did let's pray thank you lord for your word thank you for the great example of mary And Lord, let us be warned from the terrible example of Judas. May we never be a Judas. May, May we never betray others and betray you. May we never be used of the devil as this man was. Lord, protect us and guide us through life and give us faith and discernment to make the right decisions and do the right things at the right time. Lord, we Do pray for a brother, Ross, that you would minister to him at this time in the hospital and give wisdom to those that are caring for him. Lord, we do pray also for Sister Sandra as she goes through this week and pray for her family as they've lost their dad and their granddad and a husband. And Lord, that you would strengthen them and strengthen us as we encourage Sandra and the family around her on Thursday. And and leading into that, Lord. We do pray for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The perpetrator of the betrayal, verses 14 and 16. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. And so you might follow the outline there on the back of the bulletin. We see his fatal decision in verse 14. As we've mentioned and talked about Mary and the breaking of the alabaster box, of ointment on the Lord, what do you think made Judas decide to betray the Lord? Was it the act that Mary did? He said and declared, wasted, wasted all that whole year's wages on the Lord. Listen, nothing that's given to the Lord in a sacrificial way with a right and reverent heart is wasted, is it? And so <clears throat> he. this is his fatal decision. He probably thought, if only I got my hands on that money <laughs> instead of wasting it like that. And you see, He was picking up that the Lord was going to be crucified. He had heard the Lord enough. Why had he followed the Lord in the first place? Was it for money? Was it for power? This this one is going to become the leader. He's going to kick the Romans off and I'll be on the seat of power. In the seat of power with the king. And now this king is talking about dying. Well, I'm going to make myself some money. And get myself some position by going to the leaders of the, the religious leaders of the day. And this is what he was securing the plan to do, trying to get a position. And what were the religious leaders planning to do to the Lord? Well, let's go back to John's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 57. You see, this will all work together for Judas. They wanted the same thing. John's Gospel. Chapter 11 and verse 57 we read, Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Just fell right into their hands, didn't he? This fatal decision. And be careful that we do not do what the devil wants instead of doing what the Lord wants in our life. Don't be a Judas. Even the unsaved people know it, don't they? they said, You said Judas to them, they think? Betrayer. They, they know that. And so his fatal decision. His fearful deal is seen in verse 15 back in Matthew chapter 26. And he said unto them, What will you give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And so there's the proposal. What was the traitor's diabolical proposition? What will you give me? What can I get out of this? If we serve the Lord for what we can get out of it, there's nothing in it for us for eternity. So the Sanhedrin was delighted. They weren't going to let this opportunity pass up because, as we saw in John 11, they were already looking for somebody to do this find him for us, identify him for us, hand him over to us. And we see his price how much? 30 pieces of silver is to me a covenanted is the word to place in the balances to weigh he was weighed and founded wanting in how little he betrayed the lord for um <clears throat> zachariah eleven twelve uses the same word there and so this was the market value of a slave market value where he was willing to sell the lord as a slave for the price of a slave This is the price they valued the one who had healed their sick, who had made the lame to walk, who had caused the blind to see, who had raised their dead, and they sold him for the price of a slave. We might say and remember that he's the type of the type of him was who in the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph. They sold him for twenty. He that sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. His foolish deed is seen in verse 16, and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. A foolish deed. Because Judas was an insider, he knew certain things. He knew where the Lord frequented. You see, the Lord was a person that did things methodically. He did things right. It just wasn't haphazard about what was happening. Even on the cross, he was doing things methodically, fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies. That it, and, and it is finished. It is finished. He'd finished the sacrifice for sin, he'd paid the price. He, he, it is finished. He'd fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies that had pointed to him, all the types had been fulfilled of him, and he could g- give up the ghost and, and hanging on the cross. <clears throat> so Judas knew what was going on Where the Lord would be He had been with Jesus at other Passovers And the Lord was where? <laughs> in the place of prayer In the place of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane On the west slopes of the Mount <laughs> Of Olives I couldn't forget that Mount Mount of Olives He knew where Christ would go So he planned his heinous Evil act of unrighteousness, then he knew where to find him. Even as our brother said this morning, I told him afterward, I said, I thought you were going to preach him a sermon this morning when he started talking about Judas. Remember, even after he had seen all the miracles, even after he'd seen dead people raised, as our brother dr- dramatized this morning, even after he'd seen all this these miraculous deeds the thousands of people fed even after he had carried the basket to feed those people even after he had held the bag for all that time and saw the money that came and how it was wisely spent and used even after all these things he made a decision to do this i think that's what our brother dagan was saying this morning after seeing all these things after a lifetime of being in church you can do something like this if you're lost and there was a brother here this morning that was visiting, and he mentioned he'd been 60 years until he'd come to that point. He'd been in church for 60 years until he got saved, until he realised he wasn't in, that gone through the door. And so that, the, the message spoke to him this morning. It was, Yes, this is a real experience. We can put it on all those years and still not be one of the Lord's, even after. And you can imagine the people who have gone into eternity that are now there and been there for a long time who wished they had entered in the door of salvation. If only I had decided. If only I had believed by faith and repented of my sins. If only, but forever it will be if only, because they never can change it. Imagine Judas now. Went out and hanged himself. And from that point on he's been in eternal punishment. Better not been born, as the scriptures say. He walked in the way of Balaam. In verse Second uh, Peter two fifteen it reads, For who have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He sold his gift to do unrighteousness. Isn't that what Judas did? For a little, the price of a slave, he was willing to sell the Lord that he might have something in his pocket. But the conviction, the the weight of guilt that come upon his soul, he went and hanged himself. So the Lord Jesus had been participating and celebrating the Passover for the years that he'd been alive, and particularly in his time of ministry, he'd, he'd celebrated the Passover. And we see the Passover, but taken of, in verses 17 through to 29. And we'll look at that another time, but let's go to the other Gospels and pick up some other thoughts about Judas. We see Judas's frightening deception. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 13, and verse 26 through to 30. John's Gospel, 13 and 26. And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, What thou doest, do quickly. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spoke this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things that we have need of for the feast, for the Passover. Or that he should give something to the poor. Apparently, that was a regular occurrence. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. As you look at that, and they thought, oh, well, he's just doing something that he's done other times. He then, having received the sop, went immediately, and it was night. He'd already sold the Lord. Now he's going to go and tell him where to find the Lord. And so we see this frightening deception that Satan entered into him. Some people have used this some years, many years ago, decades ago, to say, that Christians can be demon possessed calling Judas a Christian and Jesus said it'd be better that he'd never been born because of what he did now no one's beyond redemption except those that have blasphemed the Holy Spirit and I think he falls into that category of the work of God being shown and evident before him for so many years yet he denied it all and went and sold the Lord So his frightening deception, it's terrible to think. You see, if we go so long without entering the door, there may come a day when we have an opportunity, as it were, to be entered by Satan to do a devilish deed like this toward the end, well, middle of his life, and do something like that. You reject the Lord's offer of salvation for so long and say no to the Lord for so long, there's a time comes when the door is shut. The opportunity is gone, as our brother mentioned this morning. It's frightening to think of it, but this is what this man did. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and look at verse 7 and 9. You know the verse as well. Don't put off. When the Lord's touching your heart about something, don't put off doing it. Do it well you know, a strike while the iron's hot. Well, the conviction's there. What the Lord's speaking to you about, do. Casting, verse 7 of chapter 5, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, and it's talking to Christians here, your adversary, the devil, liketh. well, he's our adversary to all souls, isn't he? The devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. Cast your care upon him, folks. Because the old devil, like a roaring lion, he wants to seek to devour you as he devoured and used Judas at that time. Resist the devil. Be vigilant. This is just an outline of a sermon that I preached once. Be virtuous. Be (laughs) venturous. Be valiant. And be victorious. <clears throat> and all those have scripture verses related to them as we <clears throat> uh, face the adversary of our souls, that is the devil. A frightening deception. Be sober. What is another portion of scripture? So, thinking of this, I was thinking of portions of scripture that warn the Christian. And um, anyone who's unsaved. <laughs> You're a child of the devil, the scriptures say. And you'll be used of the devil if you don't turn to the Lord and repent. What other verses of scripture can you think of that describe the work of the devil against the believer or against mankind? There's one that really just gives a description and tells us what we're to do. What we're to arm ourselves with. How to, how to address ourselves. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians 11, six eleven. put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And you know, the devil, I believe, is as is, is active as he ever has been and maybe more so, he knows the time is short. And the scriptures declare that when that time comes he'll, and is cast down to earth, he'll be frighteningly active in deceiving the world and against anyone that stands for, for the Lord. And we're to put on the whole armor of God. We're walking toward those times. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are soldiers of Christ in the enemy's territory, and we need to be careful and watch out. Don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He works on us and at us through our desires the desires of the flesh he works on us and at us through the our defects you know there are some things that we have that we're weak in and weaker than some others and some are others and stronger and he works at those things and on those things to bring us down he works through our defeats as well hmm. He likes to see us defeated. He's defeated us somewhere at some time, and he'll keep on needling away at that, to bring us down through our through his deceits. He will. He's the father of lies, and he'll work on that as well through his deceitful. You know, like he did Eve. Has God said, whispering in our ears? And through our diversions in life, as we get off the right road, we take a sidetrack, we go the wrong way, we wrestle against. This evil one, not flesh and blood. You know, old Judas could have made a decision not to do this and to believe the Lord wholeheartedly and to trust in him, but he didn't. And those people that have had so great opportunity and do not believe and do not follow the Lord will have the greater judgment. And frightening deception and a false delusion. If you look at John's Gospel, there's another point we think of as we think of Judas. This is in John's Gospel 12 and verses 5 and 6 at this time. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, you see these things are not all mentioned in Matthew. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag and bore what was put in it. What did the Lord say about money? The love of money is the root of all evil. Doesn't it fit here? Not that he cared for the poor, but he had the bag. It was about money. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. And as we think and look and read through Scripture... It comes out over and over again. The rich young ruler. He was was deceived by money in Matthew 19. In Mark chapter 8. The Lord said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Money. For money. What people will do. Luke chapter 12 verse 16. There it's spoken about, about the rich Fool, thou hast much, I have much, oh no, thou hast much gait, he said to his soul, thou I have many things laid up for many years, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> ah, thou fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee money kept him from eternity in heaven. Don't be deceived by money. I've, I've probably had to learn that lesson even recently. <laughs> money is not. Money is nothing, <laughs> not everything. Don't trust in money. The Lord will provide, the Lord will meet your needs. The, the Lord does that for his children. He will not see his seed begging, begging for bread. In Acts chapter 8, verse 18, about money, the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer, thought God's gift could be brought, and, and the, was it Peter said, Thy money perish with thee. Thy money perish with thee. That, that thought comes to my mind many times. Thy money perish with thee. And if you read, or take a pen and a pencil and write down as you read through the book of Psalms, the books of all the chapters of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastics and, and Job. I've just penned some more down this last few weeks from Job. And about money. Psalm 49, for instance, in verses 6 to 12, it says among, in those verses, trusting in wealth, boasting in riches, and you leave your wealth to others. They call their lands after their own names. You go, upon a, uh, go along and pass many um, prominent like farms with great big entries and their names are on the gate. <laughs> but what does it profit them? Upon death, we can't take it with us, Psalm 49:16. Psalms 52, 7. Trusting in abundance of riches is said we're not to do that. Not in abundance of riches. Remember back in 2008, wasn't it? The financial crisis or collapse. (laughs) Many people took their lives because they lost their money. They thought they lost everything, but they didn't really. I remember having a, a pastor's... It must have been one of those fellowships we had, and it was... It was here, wasn't it? Yeah. Brother Derek was here. Yeah. <laughs> and the stock market was crashing that day. M.A. Butler was here, actually, ministering to the pastors. And he said, how many pastors are nervous today? Because <laughs> he knew what was going on. He'd heard it on the radio. You know, and the stock market was crashing back in 80-something, 1980s. And he said, I can see some worried faces here today. <laughs> Those that had riches that were just <laughs> gone out the door can vanish in a day. And it could vanish. The world is just on the, you know, balance. It all could disappear. The Sydney folk have lost 20% in, their, in the value of their homes. Not that They could realise it if they'd sold it earlier. Melbourne people, and it's still going down. And people get upset when these things happen to them. Old Judas was on about money. Many people are on about money, <laughs> a good man showeth favour and he lendeth <laughs> worldly people prosper in the world but they don't understand their end psalm 73 verse 12 proverbs honor the lord with thy substance proverbs 11:4 riches profit not in the day of wrath but righteousness delivereth from death proverbs 11 and verse that was verse 4, but verse 24, There is he that scattereth and yet increaseth. There is he that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. <laughs> he that trusteth in riches, in verse 28 of the same chapter, he that trusteth in rich his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish like a branch. And I think we can learn a lesson from Judas tonight. The false delusion that money will be everything. If only I had a million dollars. If only I won the lottery. <laughs> if I- you know, it would probably be the worst thing that happened to you if you won the lottery. You read the testimonies of unsaved people that have won the lottery and what it did to their life. Number one, they had to have security because everyone—it was announced in the paper. Oh, he's won millions of dollars now. Now we can go for him. You know, he's got it in his house or something. Folks, what's going to happen to it all? It's all going to get burned up. The whole world, everything that's in it. But the one that has faith will be in heaven, enjoying the bliss thereof for eternity. If you have money, use it wisely. Use it for the Lord and his work. There is him that maketh himself rich, yet he hath nothing. Proverbs 13.7 There is he that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Proverbs 15.27 This is only skipping through many. <laughs> he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. And turn to First Timothy. We could read on many verses. How... Money can be something that the devil uses to deceive us, thinking that we've got something and we haven't. In First Timothy chapter 6 and these verses come to mind many times as I think about it. First Timothy 6 <clears throat> In verse 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that what gain is, godliness. From such, withdraw yourself. A pragmatic approach. Well, if it works, we'll do it. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, we'll just do it. No, don't. Withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what we should have. That's what Judas should have had. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can take carry nothing out. Having food and raiment let us be therewith. Content. God gives us food and raiment. Some said the raiment means the house too. Or the cave. <laughs> I don't know. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Having food and raiment. They that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare of the dead. And many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown men in perdition. And you can read on. Flee these things in verse 11, O man of God, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, patience, or love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. So flee, follow, and fight. It says in these verses. Don't be deceived by riches. And there are so many, there's many and more millionaires, and there's becoming billionaires, and it probably won't be long before there's a trillionaire. I remember when it was a millionaire, wow, now there's billionaires. And I don't, you don't conceive that, how much that is. A false delusion, it can all go in seconds. And his final destiny, back in Matthew 26 and verse 24, just a bit, of, a bit ahead in the chapter, The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it had been good for that man that he had not been born. To say that Judas was, a, you know, entered by Satan and it's not his fault. No, <clears throat> the Lord plainly said he'd been good for that man if he'd not been born. And I think we could put that upon and to say, state that to each person that's not a Christian that hasn't entered the door. That it had been good for they been not been born because. If they've been born, they have to make the decision. They make the wrong decision and go into eternity into what? Hell. It'd be good not to be born that you didn't go to hell. And that's what the Lord's saying about this. It's serious business. Life is very temporal. Life is very short. Have you decided to follow the Lord? And is his fiery damnation here his final destiny? The rich man and Lazarus talks about hell there and the, and, and the torment of it. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth. There remains a fearful looking for a judgment and a fiery indignation. In Luke chapter 12, it talks about the degrees of punishment, which people are punished with, who go out into eternity without the Lord. And so Judas went out into eternity without the Lord, He had it in his hands and he lost the opportunity. In flaming fire, it says in 2 Thessalonians in verse 7 to 9 of chapter 1, fiery flame, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. His final decision, let's just turn to Matthew 26 and verse 50. Matthew 26 and verse 50. I think the Lord in grace said what he did. When Judas had got the 30 pieces of silver, went and betrayed the Lord on, in the garden that evening, and the Lord said in verse 50 Jesus said unto him, Friend, why art thou come? I think this is the last opportunity that he had to change his mind. Won't you change your mind now? Won't you make a decision? Before you make this fatal decision, giving this kiss of deception, of betrayal, They came and laid hands on him and took Jesus away. Maybe tonight is your final decision. As was offered this morning, enter the door before it is shut. We don't know. Death can come quickly. It can come suddenly and we aren't prepared. Be prepared by trusting the Lord tonight. Don't do what Judas did even at this last minute. I think the, the grace of the Lord is showing, friend, why aren't they come? Won't you change your mind? You've been with me, you know what's going on and all these thoughts could have raced through his mind as the Lord said this to him and he went ahead with it anyway. I remember a man in hospital, he couldn't breathe but with oxygen, he couldn't move, he was emancipated, he had cancer and had, it, had, it, had had it for some time. His children asked me to go and see Dad. I went to see Dad in the old base hospital and I said do you want me to tell you about the Lord and he just shook his head in defiance he hardly had strength to do anything, but he shook his head and said, No. I said, I will anyway tell you about the Lord. Um, you know, he may have made a decision to trust after I'd left, because only a few days later he's gone out into eternity. We all have to make that decision. I don't know. My parents used to say, life is given for us to make a decision about eternity. <laughs> Trust the Lord and become a Christian and have eternity with him and with those that love him. Let's pray. Thank you Lord for your word. Lord, Lord even this bad example can teach us some things what we shouldn't do. And pray that we would trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our, to our own under fleshly understanding. Believe while there is opportunity and time and don't Betray the Lord. It would be better for us not to have been born than to despise the heritage we could have in the Lord by trusting him as our Saviour. Bless each one with salvation for the young one to the elderly. This evening in Jesus' name. Amen.